We turn for our reading from the Word of God to the letter of James. James chapter 5, and we're reading from the first verse. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth is rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear not by heaven, or by earth, or by anything else, let your yes be yes, and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Trials and difficulties inevitably come to Christians. The idea that if we just have enough faith, then there will be no difficulties, uh, no hard times, everything will be smooth isn't to be found anywhere in the Scriptures. The Lord Jesus himself warned us explicitly uh, that this would be the case, that there would be trials, that there would be hard times. Uh, we don't escape problems and weaknesses and struggles just because we're Christians. We live in a fallen world. We are part of it. Uh, and yes, the Lord gives grace, but Inevitably, in his providence, there are the times of sickness and weakness and disappointment and struggle. All the things that everyone faces because we live in a fallen world. But then, in addition to that, because we're Christians, uh, there are trials that come to us on account of our faith. Trials that people who don't have Christian faith don't have to deal with. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, we have the burden of a spiritual battle in which the Lord places us. A battle that can be hard as the enemy tempts us and tries to discourage us and pull us down. And we experience that because we're Christians. It's not simply that we aren't spared the battle. It comes because of our trust in the Savior. Uh, and there's the cost of consistent Christian living, and that can be high. There are brothers and sisters in many parts of the world 
who face violent opposition for their Christian faith, who may be in prison, who may face death. Now, we may not face such a cost, but as Christians, it is still a costly thing to serve the Lord. And it may become more costly as we look at the different changes and trends in our society. So it shouldn't surprise us that there are testing times, there are hardships, there's suffering to be faced as the Lord's people. But what is crucial is the attitude with which we face our trials as the Lord's people. Uh, And to that, James now turns our attention. As we move on in James 5, uh, we're looking today at verses 7 to 12. Biblical patience. Biblical patience. What is it? What does it look like? What are some of the things that may challenge our patience? It's not simply a matter of temperament. There are those of us who temperamentally are impatient and can't wait. And there are others of us who are easygoing. And when they panic, the rest of us know it's time we were all at panicking. It's not a matter of temperament. We are talking here about something that is spiritual, something that's involved with our Christian faith and life. And we see, first of all, an exhortation to patience, an exhortation to patience. Be patient then, brothers. In the light of the hardships that believers are suffering, and James was writing to people who did know hard times. Uh, it would appear that at least some of James's readers uh, were being oppressed by the wealthy, because often Christians in the early centuries were at the bottom of society. They were the poor, maybe the slaves. And so often they were exploited, uh, and they were facing uh, hardships and difficulties. And when that happens... When we go through uh, difficult testing times, then surely there's a temptation, uh, isn't there, to resentment, uh, to anger, to to slipping into blaming God for the situations that we're having to go through. Uh, That it must be God's fault. And look at others. They don't have these struggles uh, and these difficulties. Why am I? And if God's in control then we can find ourselves blaming him for the hardships we have to face. And so the proper response to hard times and to opposition particularly, James tells us, is to be patient, brothers. Biblical patience that isn't just putting up with situations we can't change. Now there's Of course, inevitably, something of that. There are circumstances we can't alter. And so we have to uh, deal with them. And there is an element uh, in the Christian life, uh, as in life in general, uh, of what we would call in this part of the world, tholing, putting up with something you can't change. But biblical patience is something uh, much more uh, than that. Not simply hardening ourselves to deal with what can't be changed. But patience in the Bible is a positive virtue. 
It's facing the trials and the opposition that comes to us as God's people and learning from those experiences. The the word that James uh, uses here uh, is particularly uh, patience with people. Uh, There are two words he uses in this passage. Uh, There's a word for patience with people, sometimes in the older translations, long-suffering. And there's a word for patience with circumstances and events, and we'll come to that in a moment. And and they're they're not completely separate. They are related. But here particularly, it's patience with people. People especially who oppose us because of our Christian faith and our Christian principles. And perhaps you, you know well what that's like. It may be within your family circle from those who aren't believers. It may be from work colleagues who have no sympathy for your Christian principles and your faith and are baffled at why you would be spending time on a Sunday sitting in a church service. What a strange thing. Why do you do that? And those kinds of questions, of course, can be asked in a very hostile way. And in the wider society we're living in uh, as Christians, uh, we find that there's less and less sympathy or toleration for what we believe uh, and the values that we stand for. Uh, And we've got to be prepared to face that. Uh, It probably will become harder to live the Christian life. uh, And it shouldn't surprise us that that's the case. So be patient James says to the Lord's people. We need to seek patience from the Lord. It's easy, especially if that's our temperament, to be short-tempered or to hit back if we face opposition for our Christian faith. People question us, and sometimes Christians fall into that trap when they answer aggressively. And we know in the media especially, of course, Uh, There are those uh, who are experts at pressing Christians' buttons and getting a hostile response from them. They know what to say. They know how to aggravate Christians. And, of course, that then is a a bad witness for the gospel. And so there's a need for biblical patience, especially in the face of opposition. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, that we're reminded often in Scripture of God's patience. Uh, And indeed, this evening in Exodus, uh, we'll be thinking something of that, just in God's providence. The two themes uh, have come together in morning and evening worship. But Psalm 86, 15, God is slow to anger. Now, that is not how the God of the Old Testament is often portrayed in the popular mind if they think about it at all. The God of the Old Testament is quick to anger. He'd strike you down in a moment if you cross him. And again and again in the Psalms and elsewhere, we're reminded he's slow to anger. And by his grace as Christians, we're to seek to be like him. It's significant that one element in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is patience. 
It is something that has its source in God. It's not simply a natural uh, personality trait. It's the fruit of grace. It's what the Lord uh, does in the hearts of his people. So we need to be looking to the Lord to provide it. We're to leave vengeance on the opponents of the gospel to God. Vengeance is mine, the Lord says in Romans 12 and verse 19. It's not our task as the Lord's people to seek vengeance on the opponents of the gospel or to hit back when we are hit. Be patient, James says in verse 8, and stand firm. In particular, of course, We are called to exercise biblical patience with the enemies of the gospel. And it's interesting the context that James puts that in. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. And there's that theme of the judgment surfacing again. This time it's a reminder that Christ is coming back. And he will come back as the judge, as the one who will deal with opponents of the gospel and with those who've oppressed his people. And so the Christian can say, I don't need to strike back at those who oppose me as a Christian or those who oppose the gospel. The Lord will deal with that. He's coming back And if we bear that in mind, that can help us, of course, to be patient. The Lord will deal with those who scorn the gospel, who mock Christians, who seek to trip us up and bring us down. The Lord will deal with that. And we can leave it to him. We don't carry that burden. We shouldn't try to carry that burden. And so that helps us to be patient. He'll judge with perfect justice. And we don't do that. We can't do that. And he will vindicate his righteousness. He will vindicate the truth of his word. And so we must have patience as we await the return of the Lord, however long that may take in God's plan and purpose. So there's an exhortation to patience. And Christians who are pressured, who are tested, who face opposition and mockery need to heed that call. It's very easy not to be patient when we are under pressure for our faith. An exhortation to patience. Then James provides for us, secondly, some examples of patience. Some examples, always useful to have particular examples of what this looks like. And he gives, first of all, an example that would relate very readily to many of his readers. It was, by and large, either an agricultural society or one where people were not all that far from the land and from farming. See how the farmer waits, he says in verse 7. Very down-to-earth picture that people could understand. 
and perhaps in the city, of course, we're that bit more distant from uh, agriculture and from the cycle of the seasons. The first congregation in Ballylagan, of course, was a farming congregation, and there was a pattern, the seasons, the work, uh, that determined so much about life and even church life. The farmer is someone still, for all the developments in technology, who has to wait uh, for the rain at appropriate times if the crops are to grow. If the rain doesn't come, uh, if the sun, uh, again, isn't uh, provided at the right time, then there won't be a harvest or it will be very poor. And if the farmer wasn't patiently confident that the rain in particular would come when it was needed, he wouldn't even plant the crop. The very fact that he plants, in a sense, is an act of faith, which is striking if you think of farmers who aren't Christians and they're still planting and they're assuming that something will be provided that only God can provide. Isn't that ironical? But of course, the Christian farmer knows that these things are in God's hands. And sometimes in difficult seasons, it was a, a test of faith. And Christian farmers would speak of that. But they knew it was in the Lord's hands, not in their hands. They patiently wait. That's the only option that they have. And so believers, the Lord's people, uh, are to wait Wait for the Lord to deal with the opponents of the gospel. Deal with the hard circumstances uh, that we're facing. Uh, we're not to allow our circumstances to create doubts about God's promise of his return. Very interesting in Second Peter 3. Uh, Peter writes about unbelievers who were giving Christians a hard time in relation to the return of Christ. And they were saying to Christians, where is this coming that he promised? It's gone on year after year, and the Lord isn't coming back. And Peter had to exhort Christians to patience. And when the Lord doesn't perhaps remove the opposition we face, or the pressures, or the hardships, the temptation may be to become impatient. Why isn't God doing something now? And yet the Lord has his time, his timetable, and we need to be patient. Like the farmer, realizing we're in the Lord's hands. That's his first example. Then another example he gives, the prophets, verse 10. And you can think of many examples in the Old Testament where the prophets had to be patient in the face of opposition, of persecution even, you think of Elijah, you think of Jeremiah down in the well, sinking in the mud, because he faithfully proclaimed God's word. Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, many examples. If you want some more, read Hebrews 11. And some were called to endure tremendous suffering, as they are today. Some of our brothers and sisters are facing tremendous opposition and threat for their faith. Sometimes it seems the Lord's people are hated by everybody. And the reason, James reminds us, they spoke in the name of the Lord. 
They weren't facing opposition because they were difficult, obnoxious people or people who even spoke the truth uh, in unwise ways. Sometimes we can do that and provoke opposition. But here were faithful prophets who spoke the word, who did it wisely, but that attracted hardship, opposition, hostility. And that's still the case. And there are those who do present Christian truth and Christian standards faithfully who do find themselves uh, the, the butt of tremendous opposition. And of course the internet and social media provide endless ways for the opponents of the gospel uh, to make life hard for believers. Uh, and there are those in recent times who've posted wisely uh, and graciously and who find themselves deluged with hostile uh, trolling because of what they've said. And of course it's tremendously easy for those who hate the gospel and who hate Christian truth uh, to oppose believers and uh, to misrepresent them. And there's very little recourse uh, that can be had when that happens. But we shouldn't be surprised. We can be as gracious uh, as it's possible to be. Uh, we can be gentle in presenting the truth, but we mustn't be surprised uh, if that attracts hostility and opposition. We need biblical patience. God was with the prophets, with a Daniel, with a Jeremiah, and God hasn't changed. And he's still with his people, whatever they're facing. So you have the farmer. That's the first example. You have the prophets, the second example. And then the third example, the specific case of Job's perseverance. Now, traditionally we speak of the patience of Job, usually to say we haven't got it. But this is the word that has more to do with patience, with circumstances. And perseverance is a good translation. The perseverance of Job. You think of what Job endured and how he was tested ultimately by Satan, of course. Patience with his circumstances. And of course he often openly spoke of the struggles that he had to face. Job didn't sit and say nothing and pretend that everything was fine. Some Christians sometimes think that's what they've got to do and not admit to struggles and not admit uh, to questions. Job didn't. And he often spoke about how he didn't understand what was happening or what God was doing. And yet, amazingly, Job 2 and verse 10, in all that Job did, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. That's remarkable. Think of some of the things Job said, opened his heart, and yet he didn't sin in any of that. God was gracious and held on to Job uh, even in his darkest moments. And Satan's attacks were frustrated. James says, you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. He brought Job through to a place of blessing as he will bring his people through hardships and trials and opposition 
to a place of blessing. Now that place for some may be in glory. It might not be in this life. Think of the martyrs for the faith. And they're modern day martyrs. They're not delivered in this world. But the Lord does bring them through to the place of blessing as he did for Job. Remember Job's perseverance and what the Lord enabled Job to do. He can enable you and me to do. He hasn't changed. Some examples of patience. That's biblical patience with people, with circumstances. All that comes to us because of our faith in Christ and our love for the Lord. And the Lord is able to give the patience, the perseverance that we need. Of course, we know we are imperfect. We know sometimes we fail to draw on the Lord's resources. And so James provides, thirdly, something regarding the failure of patience. The failure of patience. He understands the pressures uh, that believers have to face. Uh, And sometimes, if we're honest, we fail to exhibit the kind of patience uh, that James is writing about. Maybe we get frustrated with with circumstances or frustrated uh, with people who speak against the gospel or who oppose us because we're Christians or put pressure on us. And maybe we do get frustrated and we lose patience uh, with them. And the danger is that when that happens and when we're getting frustrated as Christians, we can start to turn on each other. If we don't dare speak or think or know we shouldn't speak to opponents of the gospel, the danger is in that frustrated spirit, we start to turn on other Christians. And James says, don't grumble against each other. And that surely is in his mind. Why would Christians grumble at each other? Well, if they're pressured and they're facing opposition, maybe at home or at work, they may bring that into the Christian fellowship and they become perhaps frustrated with other Christians. And that's not the real cause of their problems, but that's where they let it out. Don't grumble against each other. Uh, It's interesting, James uh, uses the command to stop doing something. In Greek, you can tell somebody, don't start doing that. Or you can tell them to stop doing something you're doing. And here it's the stop doing it. Stop grumbling against each other. James is conscious that it happens among Christians. They start to turn on each other and tempers become frayed. Maybe angry words. They want to speak to somebody else, but it's the Christians around them who get to hear it. And there can be a judgmental attitude against others. Maybe you're under pressure. You're finding it hard to be a Christian. And here's somebody else in the fellowship who seems to be getting it very easy. And they don't know the sort of problems you have. And so then you get sharp and judgmental with them. Because I'm bearing a burden as a Christian and you're not. And we grumble perhaps against each other. And the devil loves that, doesn't he? He delights to have Christians set against each other. 
That's why Paul in Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give the devil a foothold, because we easily do. And we need to be on our guard how we speak to each other and about each other. Because again, there's an accounting. You'll be judged again. Judgment surfaces in James's writing. You're accountable. Perhaps in that context, we can also include verse 12. Verse 12 seems a bit odd, perhaps, as you're reading the chapter. Where does that verse about oaths come from? It doesn't seem to be connected with anything. It's just it's sort of floating there. But perhaps this is the context. It's not talking about taking oaths in court. That isn't forbidden in the scriptures. Jesus was put on oath, Matthew 26. God himself swore an oath, Psalm 110. So what is uh, James talking about? Perhaps, again, a warning that in our our anger, our, our loss of patience, perhaps then we can use ungodly oaths to to guarantee I'm speaking the truth. And that can happen sometimes to reinforce our words or convince others of our honesty. Let your yes be yes. Well, it must be an echo of Jesus, mustn't it, in the Sermon on the Mount about oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. I think James is simply warning us to be very careful For under pressure and facing opposition, guard our words. Be careful how we speak. Because the devil gets in and divides Christians so easily. Be on our guard. We need biblical patience. And James gives us, fourthly and finally, an encouragement to patience. And we need that. James knows we fail. James knows we become impatient. And we may dishonor the Lord. So finally he gives an exhortation to patience. It is a high standard, isn't it? Maybe you hear these things that James is writing and you think, I can't manage that. that. That's too much for me. I'm not naturally a patient person. And I'll speak quickly. I'll say what I maybe will regret later, especially if I am under pressure and people are giving me a hard time for my Christian faith. And I'll say what I shouldn't. And this is, this is more than I can cope with. And yet James gives us encouragement. This is not impossible. Because remember the God you're serving. And remember the God you belong to. Verse 11, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And in this context, we need to be reminded of that. Where we are maybe struggling and people are caricaturing us or denigrating what we believe or how we live. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He doesn't leave you to struggle along by yourself. He doesn't leave you to do the best you can and maybe fail. The Lord sympathizes infinitely and perfectly. Haven't we got a Savior in heaven? The Lord Jesus, who faced opposition and hardship and trials beyond anything you and I will ever know. 
And he's there in heaven. He's compassionate and merciful. And he'll give you the grace you need to be biblically patient. He understands and he gives the grace we need. It's not just that he sympathizes. We can sympathize and maybe there's not much we can do. But he sympathizes and he gives the grace, the compassion, the mercy that we need. And that's something that should give Christians tremendous comfort. Psalm 103 and verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's the God we belong to. That's the Savior we belong to. Hebrews 2.17, a merciful and faithful high priest. He's been tempted and he has come through unscathed. And he's the one who's able to give us all the grace, all the strength that we need. And in particular, whatever circumstances you're dealing with, whatever awkward and difficult unsaved folk may be with you, he'll give you the grace to be patient, to persevere, not to give up, not to dishonor him. And in this situation, as in every situation you face as a Christian, you'll find his grace sufficient and he'll never fail you. There's the encouragement to patience. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy and he'll never leave you alone. 